Hebrews chapter 4 has a double negative in it. Um, it's kind of like Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 has a couple of negatives that actually are in reverse. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. Hebrews 4 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. It means, more simply, that it is impossible for the Lord to be unmoved by our trouble. That he feels every moment of our life. It's a double negative. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched. But in all points like we, except he was without sin. And I, of course, could not possibly stand here unmoved by what the Lord has transpired and done in our lives this week. And though I'm not the Lord, nowhere near his unending love and mercy, I'm just simply in pursuit of him. I am touched also by the knowledge of such things. So I suppose that it is... um, part of the nature of the God call for all the under shepherds and when I come to the pulpit here I preach whatever the Lord has given to me um, like a daily bread when I'm privileged to go preach at a conference or some other place I have a plethora of sermons and then I have to pray that the Lord would lead me but when it's us, I don't have a op- option B. <laughs> so I just give what I have. And I pray that the Lord would help me. And everybody said in Jesus' name. I thank the choir for the anointing that, that I am certain that the Lord put on them. And I thank the Lord for the musicians that play with anointing. And I feel that the, the heart of all the people has been turned over and that the Lord is here to do a great thing in our lives. He's already done a great thing in our lives. So just for a moment, just whatever way you feel that you could connect with him, once more just invite him into this time. You're welcome here, Lord. Speak. Let your glory be felt and seen, known among the people. Help us to have a vision tonight. A sobering thought. It can only come from you. And I pray that you would speak to all the people tonight out of the tenderness of your love and compassion for us. Consider us here, Lord. The cumulative knowledge of all things in this room cannot compare to what you know and what you have. So I pray for all the people here. We need you. We implore you tonight. Be the Lord of all. Jesus, be the Lord of all. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Turn to someone close by you and put your hand on them and pray in the name of Jesus for them. Pray for your brother and your sister, your family member. A man should turn around to a man and a lady to a lady and lay hands on one another and pray and use the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Use the name of Jesus. Speak the name over their lives. Speak the name over their lives. I speak Jesus over you. Somebody call on the blood of Jesus right now for healing. I speak the blood of Jesus over you. I speak the blood of Jesus over you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. And everybody said amen. I thank you for standing. Just as a reference, you can look at it if you want. Luke chapter 16, host an unwelcoming message. Some scholars say that because Jesus uses the name of the beggar, that the parable in Luke 16 reads more like a real story than those given in other teachings. Jesus speaks of a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. He ate the very best food every day. But a beggar whom Jesus names Lazarus, was laid at the entrance to the rich man's house. He was an undesirable beggar, for he was covered in sores, penniless, poor, hungry, very sick, and the beggar simply sought for crumbs. The listening audience see Lazarus as an unclean man, Jesus made it so. He has not bathed in some time. The open wounds of his body have an odor to them. Jesus describes him in pitiful terms as the dogs will come and lick his wounds. It is an unsavory scene to his Jewish audience. Jesus said... The poor man was hungry, but the rich man gave him nothing, though the rich man had plenty of food. He never bothered to share, not even the crumbs. Then in a brief moment, the Lord will carefully pull back the curtain and provide a glimpse of the afterlife. Jesus said that both men died. And upon the death of the beggar, Lazarus, the angels came to carry him safely into Abraham's bosom. Both the present audience and, of course, those of us who are reading it now are ushered into a new thought. It's a painting of unusual colors. 
Jesus introduces a world that cannot be seen by the natural eye. Abraham's bosom. Perhaps it is a resting place for people of that dispensation who have not died or did not die in sin. It could be presumed from the rich man's request that those who are resting in Abraham's bosom have an awareness even in death. Otherwise, the rich man would not have asked for help from the beggar. Jesus gives us in that speech lesson two locations of eternity. Abraham's bosom and hell. Jesus himself speaks of it. He said that the rich man died and went to hell. The Lord spoke briefly of that place of torment. Jesus said that the rich man died, but in hell that rich man looked up, and I quote, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Here is the reply, and I'll paraphrase. You had the chance to do good, but you chose to use your wealth for yourself. And now, even if he wanted to help you, there is a great gulf fixed between us so that no one from here can get there. Neither can you pass over to us. It was a glimpse. Jesus presented a small view, a glance at the eternal and the impassable gulf between heaven and hell. The Lord pulls back the shade ever so slightly, allowing us to see the unseen, even if it was a moment. A glimpse of hell was not just the subject of the lesson, but it was the subject of eternity. Jesus would come to call it, and I quote, everlasting punishment. Jude writes in his letter, he called it eternal fire. However, hell was not alone in this description of eternity. Heaven was there too. Jesus uses the words eternal life in his sermons. Simon Peter once confessed that the Lord had the words of eternal life. And then John. John on the Isle of Patmos, writing the book of Revelation, he looked up and he saw it. He gave us a small peak of heaven. Even though Paul said, it is written, I have not seen, near, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. John still gave us a glimpse. Truly, we, we cannot imagine what God hath prepared for us. It's far beyond my mind and much farther from the telling. Still yet. John reveals the sights and sounds of this eternal place called heaven. He said, and I quote, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful heaven. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold as pure glass. The foundations of that city 
walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great city, the great street of that city was of pure gold like transparent glass heaven. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Verse 7. Nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven, eternity. And between them, there is a great gulf. It's fixed. There are no bridges between heaven and hell. There are no links to traverse or connections between these two places. And the only thing they have in common is that they will be forever. Both will host eternity. Hell will be a place where there is no love. As horrible as we can imagine. Here in our society... Or others around the world, people abused and families torn apart by the deeds of wicked and evil people. The earth still feels and exists on the love of God. But hell is a place where there is no love. Heaven will be a place where there is no fear. Heaven has no remembrance of pain or loss. And there is a great gulf in between them. In hell, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said that the workers of iniquity, Luke 13, and the unprofitable servants in Matthew 25 shall be cast out into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. It is eternal. But heaven will be a place where sorrow will be no more. There'll be no more loneliness or suffering or humiliation or anger or doubt. And most of all, John writes, Jesus will be in heaven. He said, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and see that he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. Verse 16, on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Heaven. Eternal light, no more night, everlasting praise. It will be perpetual, permanent, boundless, enduring, infinite heaven. Eye hath not seen, ear has not heard. We cannot imagine, even with a glimpse of John's sight, the things which God has prepared for us. That's why I give my life to this ministry. Because there is a reason to give our heart And our life to Jesus Christ. This life must not be what we are living for. This life is temporal. It's ordinary. But we are living for a place beyond this place. I don't want my best life now. I want my best life then. I'm not living to gain something here. My treasure will rust and rot here. 
Paul writes, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Here is his admonition for everybody. So run that ye be obtained. Run. You get up and run every day. You don't stop running every day. You run toward the Lord. You run toward the cross of Calvary. Every day you run toward more conviction and more holiness and more godliness. Every day you run toward the altar wherever it's had. Every day you run towards your Bible and you open up your Bible. Nothing can get in your way. You run because there's a prize at the end of that race and you've got to run. There is an eternity. And I know how my next line might sound. I know it's not necessarily proper. Maybe it's a little harsh. Forgive me. But whatever is hindering you, get over it. I'm sorry if it sounds a little rough, but whatever is hindering you, get over it. You're going to want to get over it. Paul said it this way, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Endure everything. Whatever it is, you endure it, but you don't stop running. You get up and run because there is an eternity. There's something beyond this life. Eternity is waiting. There is a great divide between eternal life and eternal death. The chasm is impassable. No one can get past it. In hell, there'll be no comfort. No way to reverse all of your life's decisions. There's no fellowship in hell. There's no parties. There's no time to rest. Hell has no featured moments, just the same torment and an endless darkness, a forever night. On the other side of that abyss is a city where the mere presence of Jesus Christ lights up the sky. Heaven, a place where mansions and crowns and robes and jewels are waiting for those who are obedient to the word of God. Heaven, the entry to heaven is the great gospel and those covered in the applied blood of the Lamb of God. Names written in the Lamb's book of life, a life of following Jesus Christ and so much more. Heaven. Heaven and hell. People strip down all kinds of things and they ask me, is it a heaven or hell issue? Is this a heaven or hell issue? What they want to say is, will it matter in eternity? I want to tell you right now, every decision you ever make in your life is a heaven or hell issue. Every choice you ever make in your life is a heaven or hell issue. Everything you ever do is heaven or hell issue. Don't ever dumb down eternity. Don't ever dilute eternity. Eternity, it demands your full attention. It's all about heaven. It's all about heaven. It's what I say. It's all about heaven. It's what I do. It's all about heaven. It's if everything I, I, everything I think, it's all about heaven. My whole life is a heaven or hell issue. Some of you don't believe that, but you will one day. See, heaven's a great place too. Because Duke Energy doesn't have the address to heaven. American Water and Veteran. No stamps. They can't send the bill there. There's no doctor bills coming to heaven no bad news coming to heaven no ugly text coming to heaven no thumbs down which I hate anyway they're not coming to heaven 
I thank God there's no thumbs up there either. <laughs> no more running from one thing to another, trying to find fulfillment. No more stress or worry. There's no conflict or pain in heaven. There's no loss or suffering in heaven. All those who have died in Jesus Christ will be there and together we will worship around the throne forever and ever and ever and ever. And when 10,000 years have passed, we won't even really get going in heaven. Just a glimpse, John writes, and there should be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. After this he writes, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, that's you and me, and palms in their hands, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and all the elders and the four beasts, and fell down before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever amen and one of the elders answered saying to me what are these which are arrayed in white robes and where do they come from and I said sir you know he said to me these are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he that stood on the throne shall dwell among them they shall hunger no more neither thirst anymore neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them into living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes you ask me why I come to church you're asking me why I'm living this life you ask you ask why we are doing what we're doing. I got to tell you, that's why we're doing it. So I wish I could paint it for you with the way it really is. I cannot. All I know is that both places are waiting for all of us. Eternity will never end. It's the dripping faucet over and over again that won't stop. It's the skipping record. He will never stop. And Isaiah prophesied about it as he was trying to call Jerusalem back to obedience. When he wrote, he said, Woe to them who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed with wine, drunks. They have harps and leers at their banquets, tambourines, flutes, wine, but they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord, no respect for the work of his hands. Verse 13, therefore my people, Isaiah wrote, are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished, their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Each day Isaiah wrote, each day, as people served their flesh and embraced the world, hell got larger. She opened up her mouth. Jesus followed it up by saying, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in. Eternity, so wide expanding, the never-ending day and the never-ending night. None of us can fathom its height or depth of eternity, forever, perpetual, and infinite loop, boundless and timeless. There will be no clocks or months or hours or weeks, no years or calendars or moments to consider. Eternity is the constant and unremitting existence of the never-dying soul. 
And we are given but a glimpse. And I ask you tonight, what are you living for? Whatever it is, you'll find it one day. All things will be revealed in our lives. The day that time ends and timelessness begins, it'll all be revealed. I'm not here wasting myself away. I don't want to spend the energy of my youth and life, whatever is left of it, doing nothing. But I preach the word of God in hopes that someone would grab a hold of it. If it's anything else, if I'm living for anything else in heaven, I'll have wasted the days on things that mean nothing. The Bible commissions all teachers and preachers to deliver the whole counsel of God. So for a short period of time, I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to tell the young people this. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this, young people, wherever you are around this auditorium. Remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. While the evil days haven't come, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Because youth has energy. And you're void of pain. When you get older, your body breaks down. You don't have the same pleasure and joy as you did. You can't get up the same way. Some people, and I'm not making fun, but some people don't walk the same way they did when they were young. They don't jump the same way they did when they were young. They feel their bones creaking when they're older. And Solomon wrote, don't forget God when you have strength. And I say tonight to all of our young people, there is an eternity waiting for you. And you may not get old before you find it. You might find eternity in your youth. It might be tomorrow. Tomorrow or next week or a month from now. When the final clock, when the final hand of the clock strikes your own hour and you are done. And then you will spend eternity based upon how you're living now. That's why I'm commissioned by God to tell all the young people, live a pure life unto the Lord. Wait a second. You know whether or not you're doing right or not. You know whether or not you're living for God. You know what you're looking at, what you're doing, how you're talking, who you're around. You know. I don't always know. Sometimes I feel it. Your peers can testify of what you're doing. But I want to say, if you'll just love God, remember, don't waste your time in the world. Love the Lord because eternity is waiting for you. I wish you could hear me, but I wish you could hear more than just the words. I wish you could hear the heartbeat of the master who's calling for you. Give your youth to Jesus Christ. Give the best of your best to Jesus Christ. Young people, hear me. There'll be a time when your parents or your grandparents, they won't host you any longer. You'll leave the house. You'll turn 18 or 19 or 20 or whatever it is. You'll turn that age and you'll make your own decisions. And nobody will be around to condemn you or to tell you not to do that. There'll be no curfews in time. 
And then you're going to make a choice about how you're going to live. I'm calling for all the young men and all the young ladies. And I know that there's some of them over here. So just let me tell you, give your best to God. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. I want you to have a reputation that you're a worshiper. I'd rather you be a fanatic for Jesus Christ than to spend your life in the world. Ah. It's hard to imagine eternity, but eternity can happen right now tonight. I don't wish this on anybody, but there's no promise that you're going to get up tomorrow. If I'm a true preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if I believe in this book, I got to say something to somebody, there's a hell before you make a dumb decision and leave your wife or your husband. Remember, some things you cannot get back. shouldn't all be about the emotion and how you're getting along how about eternity I don't want you to bring joy in this but the Bible says that there's no marriage given in marriage or receiving in marriage in heaven you won't be married in heaven you won't have a husband in heaven you'll have a glorified body you don't have to shout over that <laughs> but you, you can if you want I don't care I mean It's a different era. It's a different time. You're not going to think the same way. Because you won't have any pain. And the joy will be the joy of the Lord. You'll see Him as He is. So that means your relationship is temporary. In fact, your marriages, here pastor, your marriages are the emblem of Jesus Christ and the church. In fact, The reason why he allowed marriages was so that he could show the world that one day the groom is coming for the bride. We are the bride. So before you decide that you're not happy, just remember what I'm telling you tonight. Happiness has nothing to do with your vow. Your vow is more important than how you feel. Your vow is the constitution of your makeup. It's the fiber of who you are. And you break that vow, I'm going to tell you right now, God is displeased and it's a long way back to the cross of Calvary and perhaps you'll never get there. Before you men decide you're going to have a little fling with somebody else, I'm just going to tell you right now, men, before you decide to cheat on your wife and on your family, let me just tell you, adultery is a sin. That stains the mind. It destroys the spirit. It leaves long lasting implications. That you may never get past. And ladies before you think that another guy is all that. And you want to ditch your husband and trade him in for a new one. The younger version. At the end of his hard working day. His socks still stink. And his garments and his undergarments will still be on the floor of the bedroom. You better stop playing games. I'm here to tell you there is an eternity. Because the grass is not greener on the other side. You love your spouse, men, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. 
And never, when you get in an argument, ever use the D word. I know what we want. I, I already feel what we want. But what we want is not what God wants. God is going to send a message tonight about eternity. Eternity is more important than anything you will ever consider in your life. Eternity. Heaven or hell. And there's a great gulf. And while you're here, you can bridge your trouble through repentance to the cross of Calvary. And if you've been, you've been lost and you know you're lost, you can get back while you're here. But there'll come a day when you can't get back. And everything you are and everything you've done will be sealed in an envelope. It will never be opened again until the white throne judgment. We stand before God. And then we are to recount all the things of our life. And how quick life goes like a vapor. Oh God, help me. Just poof. It goes quick. Hey, listen, you think you're going to be young forever? You know what the Bible says? Beauty fades. Uh-oh. You riding on your looks, ride them as long as you can. It's going to drop off. You're going to fall off. I brought that baby into the living room, wrapped up like a little burrito, and gave that baby to Roman, and Roman held him. And Roman said, I want the baby. And now the baby is going to be 16 on Wednesday. Not the baby of the family, but that baby we brought in. So Reagan's birthday is Wednesday. He'll be sweet 16, and he ought never been kissed. I'm watching you. He knows. It just go, go like just like that. It's gonna go just like that. And you'll blink your eye, and a year or two will go by. And I'm asking you, what have you done for the Lord? I say, get out of all that mess and and dedicate your whole life to God. Eternity is waiting. You don't have time. You think you have time. You don't have time. Here's what here's what pastor says. There is a gulf. There is heaven and there's a hell. And Jesus presented it to all of us here now. Here's what I say. If this isn't your church, you find a church where you can be so engrossed and involved, you can't wait for the doors to open. You get involved. If this is the church, you get involved in this church. If you sing, you're on the platform. If you don't sing, please stay right there. If you're a good cook, we want you in the kitchen. If you're a helper, we want you to help. If you love kids, we want you. We got a lot of kids. We need more help every day with kids. If you can drive a bus and you don't wreck, praise God. Get on the bus. We got to have more bus drivers. If you can teach a Bible study and everybody ought to be able to teach a Bible study, you teach a Bible study to somebody and bring them into God. If the Lord's given you a way to make money, you invest your money in the kingdom of God. If God's given you any talent, you give it to the Lord. In Jesus' name. I'm, I'm through. And the day is spent. And the word has been given. And all I'm asking you today is remember what the Lord has done. Live for the Lord with all of your heart. Love God.
I have a, a file. <clears throat> it's a, a digital file. It has weddings in it. The wedding. It has uh, dedications in it. And it has funerals. There's a funeral file. The first thing I do is I open the computer and open a file and type the name of the person. And then I start to build a very specific message around the life of the person. I found this out. If it takes me a long time, if if it takes me a long process to think of the good in that person's life, if all I can say is they love their dog, or, and they and they they were nice to the grocer, whoever, probably the impact on the church is not very great. But if I open that file and I never have to think because their whole life was wrapped around the things of God, I know that the impact on the church is very, very great. And a young lady passed away this week. She was supposed to be here on Tuesday. Sister Tammy talked to her on Monday night. She was texting her back and forth on Monday night. She said, I can't wait to come by I've heard of all the beautiful things that happen in new life. She got in her car the next morning and a man driving toward her crossed the center line and their headlights touched and it was a head-on. His car spun, he broke his arm, he'll be okay. Her car went off the right side and she died on impact. Her funeral had many, many people in it. Most of the people that came could not get in the door. She had been so instrumental in the lives of so many people, leading so many young people to the Lord. She had taught so many Bible studies. The last Sunday that she was alive, coming home from a church picnic, one of the little girls, one of the down and outer girls, maybe people wouldn't really pay attention to, a little 12-year-old, she spent some time with her. She said, why don't you come with me? And they went to eat, eat tacos. Because she didn't care where you came from. She didn't care about your status. Or if you were in the cool crowd. Because everybody mattered. And this morning, we got all the reports back. And I, and I talked to her pastor on the phone today. When they went to the funeral... There was a lot of people and there was worship at the funeral. It was very unusual. But the next day when they went to the graveside, two people, as her mom and dad were worshiping at the graveside, two people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues at the graveside. And today, 10 people, 10, who came to the funeral who were backsliders, recommitted their life and were baptized in the Holy Ghost all over again today, this morning, 10.
You have a testimony and you're building it right now. You're building a reputation. I pray right now, Jesus, for all the people. I'm, I feel the weight of this now. I'm praying for that young person that they're on the edge. They're not really committed. They know their heart's not right. I pray for a man in this church. He's ready to give up. Struggling in his faith. He's trying to find a way out. I pray for somebody, someone here that's struggling. They're, they've been wounded, Lord. I pray for them. Give us a vision of eternity. We want to see heaven. We want to see your glory. I pray tonight that all of our priorities would be rearranged around the things of God. In Jesus' name. I invite you to to commit your life again to Jesus Christ. It's not so that others could see it, but so that the Lord would know and you can make a declaration tonight. If you would just recommit, even if you feel like I've been committed, Pastor, recommit right now. Nothing is going to get in my way. (laughs) Nobody is going to get in my way. I'm going to be a better witness than I've ever been before. I'm going to be a disciple maker. I'm going to get back involved in the church. I'm going to find my place. Ah. Ah. Out of your mouth would you just start to pray out of your own word with your own words. Don't let it be facade. Don't let it be real. Let it be genuine. Savior oh Savior I don't want you praying for anybody else. I want you to pray for yourself right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray right now for myself. Lord, help me. I've got to be committed to you in the cause of Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to wait till it's all over, Lord, before I decide when it's too late. I want to I want to do it right now, Lord. You've given me this, this opportunity, a prime opportunity to be engrossed in the things of God. Doesn't matter what everybody else does. I'm going to be committed to your cause in Jesus' name. I'm committed to your cause in Jesus' name.
Oh, Father, let there be let there be a cognitive thought in this house, a commitment, Lord, of the mind and the will and the spirit. I prayed in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, pray for your eternal soul. Pray that you'll be saved. Pray that you'll do whatever you can in this life, in this day, starting right now to be saved when the trumpet sounds or when your time runs out and God ends it. Just a few minutes here. Just a few minutes of, of searching our hearts. Just a few minutes now. Yes, Lord. 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 Search me, Lord. Know me. Try me. Purify us, Lord. Create in us clean hearts, right spirits. Devotion, Lord, to you. Night and day devotion to you. Please stand with me, everybody in this house. And when you're standing, if you'll lift up your hands to the Lord and surrender. Surrender. I surrender my life now. Come on, that's right. I surrender my life now. I thank you for being kind to me and hearing this word. I surrender my life, Lord, to you. I surrender my life to you now. I withhold nothing from you. I'm withholding nothing from you, Lord. That's right. Ah, uh, that's right. That's right. I've said it a number of times. When I get to Jerusalem, we we usually try to get there on a Friday night, which is their start of their Sabbath. The wall, the western wall has a few limbs some greenery growing out of it it's been there for a long time it's the last remnant of the outer wall people write a prayer roll it up on pieces of paper and they they, they stick it inside of these crevices of the this great wall from time to time some of the Attendants, the Jewish men, the ascetic Jews will come with jars and they'll take all of those old pieces of paper and they don't throw them away. They save them. You can write any prayer you want. And I can, I can write it here, say it here, but it's symbolic, I suppose. 
they're looking for him to come the first time I'm looking for him to come the second but every time that I get to that moment I write a prayer this is my only prayer if it comes down to one prayer I don't write I don't pray for healing or miracles I don't even pray for revival I don't pray for insight or wisdom I pray one prayer I only have enough for one prayer and I pray this prayer Lord save me save Tammy save Roman and Reagan Alexandra and Nicholas that's it you got one prayer to pray tonight what are you praying I want to go to heaven Lord I want to be saved I want to be saved come on bring your prayers down to the most important thing what's the most important prayer you could ever pray lift up your voice right now and pray the prayer I've got to be saved Lord I pray save me help me to live a life Lord so I can be saved Uh, oh 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 it's my last thought for you here tonight before we move on our good friends we've known for so long before before their boys were born when my good friend found out that his daughter had had, had died in the car he quickly got his sons together and his wife He wrapped his arms around them and he said, we're not going to weep in sorrow. We're going to praise God for the 27 years the Lord gave us. And they knew that their daughter was saved. And that is all that mattered. your loved one saved no matter what heartbreak you go through that's all that really matters it's all that matters